You're listening to the Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. And we're from the OtakuSpirit.com website, where you can go for our news reviews, coverage of new and old anime, as well as our wonderful community in the forum links at the top, social media links on the right side, and all the good stuff, and also a podcast series button at the top, where you can see our series of podcasts on different subjects, including the Monogatari series from Nisio Isen. <laughs> That's a really difficult word, uh, name to pronounce. Uh, today we were reviewing Kizu Monogatari Part 2, Neketsu uh, Hin. Uh, this is a movie that released here recently uh, from uh, Anaplex USA. Uh, this is uh, Neketsu Hin, or the story of Koyomi Vamp. Uh, duration is 64 minutes long, done by Studio Shaft, of course. And, of course, the source is a light novel. And the genres are action, mystery, supernatural, and vampire. Uh, but yeah, this one is one that we were excited about watching just because it didn't seem like there was too much action and whatnot in the first part of the Kizumonogatari movies. And of course, we still have part three that'll probably be out late this year, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, getting into this one, of course, if we're going to talk about story-wise, we're going to have to talk a little bit about what kind of transpired with the first movie. So if you're super hypersensitive to spoilers, you might want to step away now. Uh, we're going to get into some details about what kind of transpired in the first part in order to discuss what happens in the second part because you have to have some context there. Um, but yeah, uh, this particular part of Kizumonogatari covers Koyomi Araragi as he basically goes out to uh, acquire the severed parts that Kisshot is requiring in order for her to restore herself and uh, return uh, Koyomi Araragi back to a vam- uh, from a vampire to human. Of course, from the first movie, we basically cover Araragi, who is out one night, runs into this vampire who is dying, and uh, through some events, ends up offering himself to this vampire, which her name is Kishot. And it, Kishot, he thinks that he's going to die, but he ends up becoming uh, a uh, servant to the vampire, which is Kishot. And then Kishot says, well, I can turn you back to a human, but you have to get all my parts from these guys that basically attacked me all in one. And the way that he does that is he uh, gets the help from Mimi Oshino, who's kind of this guy that's passing by. And uh, Mimi Oshino basically is becoming the person who will, you know, set up between these three uh, vampire hunters, Adaragi being able to fight them alone and not together because he's going to get his butt kicked if he does. Starting off the movie, we fight. He we have the fight with Dramaturgy, and then later on he fights against Episode, and then uh, Guillotine Cutter towards the end of the movie. And sprinkled out throughout there, we have some some actual encounters with uh, Subasa Hanakawa, who is a school or a classmate of Araragi back at his school, and uh, what she kind of adds to the situation. 
But yeah. Uh, first of all, I complained a lot about the CG in the first movie. <laughs> much better in this one. And I think that has to do with the fact that it is much darker setting. Of course, at this point now, there's literally almost no scenes of it being daytime because Aradagi can't go out during the day because he's a vampire. And so most of the scenes were done at nighttime. And I think that served well to kind of blend the CG and with the, with the characters. And it looked much better. Plus, they had like these scenes with like the fight with Dramaturgy where it was like pouring rain and it looked absolutely amazing. I was actually very, very impressed by how they pulled that one off. Yeah. I, I, I just thought that, well, I guess that'll go into later. Just visuals alone, I thought it looked wonderful. I, I don't think that. I, I would probably say episode was probably more my favorite of the three battles, per se, if you want to call them that. Um, but yeah, drama turkey was. I, I call him drama turkey for some reason. It doesn't. It's not spelt that way. In the audio book, <laughs> it sounded like they were saying drama turkey. Okay, they literally almost. I don't know if they were going then, for that. But then but you they have to like point out the turkey. fact that he didn't say "gotta love it" through the entire show. Well, that was episode. <laughs> episode said "gotta love it" all the time. But yeah, um, I guess that kind of guns my first argument, and I guess it goes right back into what I was saying, where I hated to kind of bring up in the first review, is the idea that there was literally almost zero dialogue with drama. Was there any dialogue? I don't remember if there was any dialogue with Dramaturgy. Not not much. He wa- he did talk a little bit, but not much. It, none of the none of the the uh, the discussion between Araragi and Dramaturgy happened. That that dis- didn't right. happen. They, that they- that they kind of did a quick explanation with with Kiss Shop. Basically, did a, a quick explanation of pretty much each one of the three people that he was going up against, like how Episode was a half vampire, how Dramaturgy was a vampire, and how what Guillotine who he was behind. But outside of that, the actual conversation with the characters didn't really kind of happen. I mean, besides Guillotine Cutter, really to explain the fact that he has uh, a hostage in that particular situation, but. Not to in this, and this is really a case of it not being detrimental to the movie because I knew there was a conversation with Dramaturgy, but did it remove anything from the movie? No, I don't think so. I, I think it would have been added something cool to it, um, but I think it was really kind of trying to just push the story forward. This was really kind of here's the three fights, and that was the movie. It was like let's jump through these three fights, still have the core important conversations like with Aragi and. Uh, and Hanakawa, which, by the way, this <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> probably hands down the <laughs> most. I mean, besides, there was some really powerful moments in Nekomonogatari White and uh, Nekomonogatari Black, but with Kizumonogatari Part Two, Shaft, dang you, you just made me hate Shinjigahara that much more because <laughs> there was. And I mean, they were they were present in the book, but they just they brought it to life with this movie. And I think that was probably the most, besides the fights being actually longer. I thought I think uh, all three fights I think felt much longer in the movie than what they were in the in the book. But the how they brought Hanakawa to life in this particular part was just absolutely fantastic. I love the scene where she's bringing him his stuff. Uh, the very upsetting part that happens midway through the movie, which I won't mention. And the later part of the movie where it kind of gets into uh, some more of the uh, sillier conversations between the two of them was absolutely fantastic. I, I love the field scene and the, 
the goofy, the goofy obvious advertisements for Coca Cola and and uh, what was it TJ Maxx's or something like that? There was some kind of uh, clothing store or something like that. It was very obvious, and it was just kind of they were dancing around, shooting each other with the Coca Cola. It was just absolutely hilarious. And then like their little their little kind of almost promise that they make with each other was uh, was done perfectly. I was I was absolutely thrilled by. How goofy and silly, but yet heartwarming. The enshrining the and 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 uh, it's going to be kind of family, family heirloom. Family heirloom was perfectly <laughs> Never going to give back to you. No, give it back to me now. No, I'm not giving back to you. Um, I I I did want to going since we're going into story beats. I think my biggest beef of this particular part was the rushing of the story it felt like it definitely mm-hmm. was rushed like like andrew was saying that cutting out the dramaturgy yeah i guess it didn't but i do think that it did add to who dramaturgy was he wasn't really so much a a character of just like like uh like kiss shot had pointed out you know one character was a um he he was doing it for um uh something and then there was one that and guillotine it duty, cutter it was job duty and and hatred yeah and hate episode job, was hatred duty, yeah. hatred yeah i got gotcha. you and and i did i i liked that that little them having their little conversations and that at, that added that little bit more to them as characters it m- made them feel like more than what the show did because the show was just them popping on. Maybe they'll say one or two things and then moving on to the 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 rest of the story episode and and what happened with him and certain other characters that happened because of who he was. You don't really get that explanation. It's just kind of he's cold hearted and so you don't really care. And and I but having those little discussions and and Kishot actually explaining that stuff was. I think crucial to to understanding them as characters. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. My my point really is is one of those things of like, if I actually think of it as a I've never read the book, does it take away? No, not necessarily. Did it didn't feel like something was missing? But at the same time, knowing that that information was there, knowing that they actually get into their characters, does kind of make you go, wow, that kind of sucks that nobody got to see dramaturgy and what he kind of offers Adaragi at the beginning of that fight. No, they they went right into the fight. And it was a really good fight. I like I said, I think the the animation and the fights in this one were absolutely spectacular, and much more drawn out. Like I I was kind of uh, reiterating to Chris while we were watching it, the dramaturgy fight. <laughs> literally, it's like one attack. Adaragi goes to flee, runs straight towards the building, throws the balls, and that's like the fight. Mm-hmm. And this one is it's going through the building. He's crashing through these hallways, going through all these r- classrooms, and onto the roof, and then off of the roof. It's like this long fight, flailing around, <laughs> like no limbs, and flailing around desperately. I mean, they absolutely great. I mean, just well, like with the with Kiss Shot in the first movie, it's like they 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 pull off that. This looks so disturbing. He has no limbs, and he's flailing away. <laughs> <laughs> well, going into like. And I'm trying to dance around uh, episode because that that, but how they kind of skimmed over the key to unlocking how to defeat episode. Let, let's let's put it that way. Um, that entire instance was kind of it worked. It got the point across, but the entire getting to that point was kind of important. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But like I said, I it's just one of those things where do you do you think 
not knowing it was there, did you see an obvious void? Well, the fact that technically, dra- didn't Dramaturgy do that same technique that Episode was doing? He just didn't do it as much. And then when Episode started doing it, he had to think of a way to combat that because it became a more prominent feature in the, his fight with him. I don't think it would be necessarily need to be explained. Well, how he defeated him had to be explained. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's really an issue of inner dialogue because that really kind of gets mm-hmm. unlocked in his in his head. Which again, it, it comes. It is another one of those things of where the inner dialogue is completely absent in this movie, which is, uh, I guess, a choice for theatrics. Really, is is the thing, and I think we kind of went too much detail with that in the first uh, part review. Um, I want to make sure there's nothing else in here that I really want to go over before, because I do want to jump into a spoiler discussion, just kind of hit the, the, the missings that we want to kind of talk about. Uh, I guess we got really covered most of it. I really excellent movie. Like I said, I think this was definitely the one that if you were waiting to watch the two movies or you were, you're wondering if you want to watch the first movie, uh, I was kind of saying to wait for the second movie. Cause I think the first movie was kind of a little lacking in anything that was kind of grabbing you. And I think the second one really does pull that off. So definitely a suggestion. I mean, most pretty much everything Monogatari, even if it's one that we're not super hot on, we end up saying you just need to watch it all anyways. So, uh, but excellent, excellent part. And I absolutely cannot wait for the third part because I've already seen the PVs. It's and almost like the- there's something in the third part in the PVs that I'm going, that is not in the books. <laughs> and I really want to see what happened there. Okay, I'll stay away from the PVs then. <laughs> You didn't. I thought I like yelled from the tallest mountains at you about it. I don't remember. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go into talking about some spoiler aspects of this particular movie, part two of the Keys of Monoctari movies. So if you maybe I've not, maybe I blocked it out, blocked out the memory. If you have not watched, maybe I should stick my hand in my head and find it. (laughs) They made it. So if you haven't watched the two parts, uh, this is part to stop listening. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the the conversation with Dramaturgy was in the book was about Dramaturgy wanting Koyomi Araragi to join them. He was basically offering him, "Hey, show us where Kishot is, and we will let you join us. I won't have to kill you." And Araragi, of course, is like, "Why would I want to do that? I mean, th- this. Why would you want to hunt other vampires?" That was another thing that was really deep in the books. Was talking about why would Dramaturgy, a full vampire, want to hunt down vampires? Why would episode a half vampire hate vampires so much? Why wouldn't they hate? Why wouldn't he hate humans? Of course, he technically they were explained that half vampire, half humans hate both because right. and that, they're not and that, human enough to be in the human world. But even though they can go into sunlight, but they hate vampires because the vampires won't accept them either. So, yeah, that was that was kind of the thing that I was I, I was talking about with uh, with. Uh, his particular section, him being cold-hearted towards Tsubasa was, he didn't really care because he didn't like humans any more than he liked uh, vampires. And that was kind of, that kind of stuff explained who Episode was, just like like you were talking about with the with Dramaturgy and him trying to recruit Araragi. That was all part of he, who he was, him being there for jo- uh, his job, episode being there for hatred, and Guillotine Cutter being there for, uh, and that was another thing that kind of bugged me about Guillotine Cutter because, um, did he? I I know I asked you this last night, but did he actually ask, or did he actually call himself God? No, and and that was kind of part and parcel of 
him doing that for his his duty, he him calling himself God because he had decided that he was God in his little church group. Even though differently in the movie, the instead of just pushing him away from Sanakawa, he basically like makes a tree up into him onto a crucifixion. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a little different. Yeah, it it, it was one of those things that kind of. No, I guess you're right. It didn't really take away from the story. And that's the frustrating thing is... That's what I mean. don't... You just see that episode is very cold-hearted. He just attacked uh, Hanakawa yeah. nowhere. But it's not like you go, well, why did he do that? No, it's just that you know that he's attacking Araragi. Yeah. Why wouldn't he attack somebody that's helping Araragi? Yeah. Obviously, were... you're a bad person. I must kill you because you're helping a vampire. <laughs> yeah. They, they were just they were just the bad guys of the story and and maybe that's something that they'll dig into in in the third part so i'm not i'm not completely discounting it it's just it, it's one of those things that i i've always been one to i get frustrated when you lose things with inner dialogue i think inner dialogue is something that yes it's a it's a necessary evil almost and I, it, that's one of those frustrating things yeah besides that it was uh yeah we we kind of we kind of brushed on a little bit, but yeah, in the in the audio book of Kizumanatari, uh, episode like to say gotta love it a lot, and he had a extremely deep voice. Yeah. <laughs> it was way like, wait, I know episode from the other Monogatari's, and he doesn't sound like that. And he was obsessed with that. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. <laughs> and yeah, he it didn't really get to the point i i think i thought that subasa hanakawa spelled out a lot more clear about what exactly he needed to do and that's kind of where it was weird in the movie was like okay well how did he come to that conclusion from what she said uh but i mean that's not a huge thing my gosh the spray of her intestines oh gosh don't remind stuffing me stuffing it back in that was just terrible it's like oh hanakawa that hurt when i when i was listening to the audiobook and it hurt even more in the in the in the movie that was a very painful scene did really well in in portraying Adagi's kind of desperation and anger with that whole situation too as well nearly yeah I the thought crap that they I thought they captured it a lot better than I was expecting yeah because uh, Adagi does not come off as the ty- the vengeful type and him actually and it's not that I don't think that Adagi would do it if if something came down to that but he's never had a situation where he could show that side of him it's one of those things about him that you're like i could see that but it's never actually happened and to actually see it happen was was actually kind of really cool and they captured it well yeah i'm trying to remember if there was any other really uh desperate hostage situations that's really one of those things a hostage situation is really a cornering of somebody and that's where they really kind of start lashing out which kind of was iterated again on the with with hanakawa when she was taken uh hostage but yeah that was a lot of it in the, the guillotine cutter was another situation where he was uh offering to uh what, what was it that he offered Adaragi? just that he wasn't going to kill hanakawa just right. to show him where his shot was and that one was, it was funny because after, that was another thing that was cut out of the movie that was in the book was that when he rescued Hanakawa, she was technically still uh, conscious. And she <laughs> brought up the fact that she still doesn't have any panties on. Yeah. She was desperately <laughs> trying to get away from him. <laughs> yeah. She was pushing away with him and he thought that he, he thought, yeah, that was, that's what, that's one of those things that sucks that it's lost is he was in his inner monologue was thinking, she's afraid of me now. She's seen me because that was the whole thing. Oshino, before he went to fight Guillotine Cutter, told Araragi, You have to let go of your humanity. Right. 
And that was something that was touched a little bit when he fought Dramaturgy was stop being human. You're thinking like a human. He chops off his arms. You're thinking like a human idiot. And when he went to go fight Kiltine, he said, get rid of your humanity, which was cool because they added in the movie him dashing through these streets and blowing everything away. It was really, really cool. But when he got to the guillotine cutter, he he let it go and he he unleashed these uh, the tree and, and shot him back and then grabbed uh, Hanakawa. And he thought that he, Hanakawa was disgusted by him and afraid of him because he's was not being human. But it was just that she was <laughs> didn't have any underwear on, so she was a little embarrassed. So it was really really cool because it was like a mixture of his insecurities mixed with her uh, silliness. And I like, I like the, 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 right after the fight with Dramaturgy, because it was after, she, it was because he thought that she, uh, he pushed her away before Dramaturgy when he was training, because he was a, and that was kind of one of those things that kind of got lost in the movie as well, was that she didn't run away from him when he pushed her away and deleted, it was funny when he's deleting the contact on there and he's taking forever to do it. <laughs> she added him to the, she added her name into his contacts within like a second and it took him like five minutes to get it off of her. <laughs> um, but he pushes her away in that, that first scene and it looked like she was upset when she ran off in the movie, but in the, in the book, it, it makes emphasis on the idea that she's smiling at him, like, yeah, okay, whatever kind of thing. She knows he's not being serious. But they kind of iterate the, reiterate on that when after the drama turkey fight. Uh, which, by the way, another thing that was different, I like pointing all these differences, uh, the baseball. When he was throwing the baseball, the drama turkey, in the book, the first baseball knocks the wind out of him. And then the, and then the shot put knocks his face up, and then he grabs the, the roller. But in the movie, the baseball does not knock the wind out of him. It was only the shot put that first phases him. Anyways, yeah, when they they Hanakawa and Nadaragi get back together, and uh, she's trying to get him. Well, if I if I show you my panties again, would that be okay? He's like, yeah, that'll, that'll be fine. So she goes, and does it again. <laughs> they have the whole planet spanning thing like dun dun dun. It was great. Do me to the blouse too? No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Which was a really. It's, it's, it's great. It's like a, a mixture of again. This is just like the the guilting color thing, where it's like a mixture of a really cool point with silliness. And that was another case of like the silliness of the fact that she's showing her panties mixed with the fact that he's absolutely feels like an utter idiot at that point, and just says, "I'm I'm so sorry. I I don't deserve you as a friend." Kind of moment there. So that's good. Kiss shot. We had a couple scenes with Kiss Shot. It wasn't too many scenes. Got to see her yeah. dancing around after she got her yeah. her newer form. They didn't get gruesome with the foot. They got co- they got comical with it. She sticks it in her mouth hole, and you can see the the, <laughs> the full form of the leg in there. And in the in the book, she, he's like disgusted by this scene of her basically chomping one bite at a time, eating her foot, her leg. Yeah, it was taking so long that she she told him to get out of there. And they at least they added in the comment where she said, "Can't you let a lady eat or something like that?" Yeah. And they had to leave the room. So they at least kept that in there, but yeah, it was it was because it was taking so long and they were getting disgusted and I was a little mixed on the conversation with Oshino though because they hit on the fact that Kishot saved Aragi, but they don't necessarily say in what way. Because, again, in the book, Oshino kind of goes more into detail on the idea that 
to give himself up to Kishot, obviously something was wrong with him. And in a sense, she saves him by doing what she does. does. And they didn't really kind of hit on that. Even though I guess technically the book is pretty vague on that as well. Of course, I don't know if that's just a lost in translation thing as well. But the way I kind of took it from the book was the idea that he had nothing. He obviously was, quote unquote, maybe suicidal uh, to give himself up to a vampire, which is obviously going to kill him. And in a sense, he's gained purpose through what she's done. So obviously, she's kind of, in a way, saved him. In the book, he kind of gets more conflicted on the idea of, well, how did she save me? She basically made me into a vampire. <laughs> There's nothing about this whole situation that it was, I was a human. I was, I had a life and now I'm dead as a vampire. How is she saving me? Well, they didn't, they haven't mentioned, and I think that the, it was in this section, or was it in the latter section, where Subasa explains to Koyomi or to Aradagi how, uh, about the Thrall uh, master uh, relationship. Yeah, it's more in the last part. It's in the last part? Mm-hmm. Okay, then I'll just leave it alone. Because <laughs> I don't want to spoil that part. I did kind of find it was uh, an interesting difference also is the the re- the regeneration was different as well. Um, I remember watching the the first fight with Dramaturgy immediately cuffs off one of his arms. And I think it was, he punched it off, if I remember correctly. Yeah. He, I think he punched yeah, his arm off. Yeah, he punched off. it off. Because and, he didn't do the, the, the blades until a little bit later in the book. And in the book, he freaks out and starts running from Dramaturgy and he immediately trips and falls down. But then he notes the fact that he didn't hit his face on the ground because his arm grew back so fast. And in the movie, it takes him like five minutes of running around the classroom before fingers pop out of the sockets. And then he pulls his arm out. Like, that was not there. That's an interesting difference there. Uh, not to dramatic. No, I think they were just thing. having fun at that point. Yes, you think? You think? Because <laughs> oh. it didn't say in the in the book... I reached over, grabbed my hand, and yanked it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pull my finger in a very <laughs> literal oh, sense. Andrew. Um, yeah, we, we kind of mentioned a little bit, but Guillotine Cutter was kind of uh, left out of the... And they might get into it with the part three, so I'm not even sure if I want to explain it. Uh, but he is duty-driven because he's part of a uh, a cult, basically. So that was a that was an interesting thing that was omitted in this one. Um, what else do we have? the The scene with Hanakawa and Araragi when she brings him supplies that was a very very cute scene because that was the the scene where uh, Hanakawa <laughs> they actually pulled that off pretty well. Yeah, I, liked I, it. I thought they pulled that off really well. He he goes he goes to change, and of course in the in the book he's really going into detail about how he's embarrassed about how he's doing this. That was the other thing that was kind of lost there. Is so this is a really cool thing to explain to you guys, so you get a little more more context to it. In that particular scene, she brings him clothing, and it goes into detail about how the fact that she actually went out and bought that stuff with her own money and brought it to him. Right. And he was embarrassed by the fact that she's she's spending her her own money to bring him clothing, so he can't really deny her. Uh, and he wants to change into him quickly. And then he kind of notes the fact of how he's got, you know, multiple sizes of underwear in there and and uh, wants to at least change his shirt so that he shows that he's appreciative of it. And, of course, it goes in the whole thing about her checking out his muscle mass. And and then he's like, well, so you're comparing it to another man's? <laughs> no, no, hypothetically. She freaks out about it. And, of course, the kid's shot every now and then waking up to to make some kind of comment about how vampires work was really, really funny. What was else in that? What was that later in part of that scene? Oh, that's where she starts 
picking our brain to figure out what to do with the uh, episode. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, what else do we have here? I think I've covered everything else. It was it was surprisingly fresh in the mind, even though we watched this like two weeks ago. <laughs> I guess once we get to talking about it, I just can't stop kind of digging through it in my head. Uh, odd fascination with Morse code. Did you notice that? Yep. They, they well, started, I it. it. They had one instance of it in the first part, but then this part they use it like five or six times. Right. I was I was pointing out because at some point. It took me a, a minute to figure it out or to realize what they were doing. It was a backwards SOS. It was, when, it was when he first ran into Kiss Shot, if I remember correctly. They did the SOS thing on the yeah. first part. Yeah, it was backwards. And it, then it's just doing all kinds of different things from there. I, I, I only know the SOS code. I <laughs> don't know that much at, uh, Morse code. I guess if you wanted to be crazy, you could pick it up, pick it all out and figure it all up. Might be fun for somebody. Like I said, I, th- I thought it was just fascinating that they, uh, an odd, an odd fascination with something, and I'm not quite sure exactly what the whole context of it was. If there's a hidden meeting somewhere in there that we're just not really seeing, I'm sure there is. Just like there, the that one picture that we we had caught at the end of one of the shows. Uh, so I guess I can cut it off right there, and then. Soft spoiler to the PV for part three. <laughs> so if you if you don't want to know about what was in this one thing that was in part three's PV, then you can run away at this point. Uh, no, the thing that threw me off about part three, which I'm absolutely... Uh, and I'm not going to get into details about certain things, but I'm absolutely thrilled at the idea of getting to see... I wanted to see the fights... Of this, uh, there was a couple scenes that we've already seen in the two movies that I wanted to see uh, adapted, but there's a lot of more serious moments and more personal moments in the third part that I'm really, really interested to see uh, adapted as well. Uh, but no, the the thing that I am more most interested in again, soft spoiler for what's in the PV, Aragi and Hanakawa kiss, and that uh, was yeah. not in the book, unless I completely didn't hear it when I was when I was listening to it. Do you remember in the audiobook that they ever kissed? Mm, don't know. It's got to be. It's got to be in that that room. Yeah, it's got to be in the room. Because the PV showed them in that room. What was it? He wanted to fondle her or something like that. Yeah, he he makes up the the lie that he's going to be fighting against a beautiful and voluptuous voluptuous and he doesn't want to be distracted. And he doesn't want to be distracted by the the chest. <laughs> and so she undoes it in order for a little it. bit of balance. and he realizes that it's a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get so wrong. Uh, Can't wait to talk about that one. But no, I, I, okay, okay, just all right. Are we just going full bore? What we're excited on with it, or or do you want to wait? I don't know. We probably should wait. All right. I just wanted to point that out to you because okay. I didn't. I wasn't sure if I remembered or not. Yeah, we'll get, I, we'll get I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. I don't seem to remember one, but. I was kind of thinking about it if there, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that there was a scene like that. I was thinking, so, of, no. I was thinking of skimming the actual book, see if I can <laughs> see any differences. Anywho, that's that's it for Kizumonogatari Part Two. Can't Get wait to, to the watch episode the... part and see if there's a, if he has written down there. Uh, gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, episode saying gotta love voice. it drives me crazy. <laughs> 
I didn't even hear a verbal tick because he didn't talk enough. Maybe it's because he got the yellow hair. Gotta love it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Anyways, that was our review for Kizumonogatari Part 2. Hope you guys enjoyed this review. And again, we'll have to wait until later this year to watch the third part. But we will definitely do a review at that point. We hope you guys enjoyed this coverage. Uh, can't wait for Obari Monogatari Part 2 coming out here soon as well. So that'll keep us busy until Part 3 of Kizu comes out. But yeah, awesome stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, we're at TakuSpirit.com. And y'all take care. Oh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. I'm gonna put a little audio drop right here. Okay, I'm doing <laughs> Shut up.